What's happening to kids today? That's a question we need to ask. A question that demands some major attention. A question that for me can no longer be pushed to the side or avoided. I'm Richard Flint and welcome to Let's Talk Human Behavior. You know, how does life speak? It speaks through words and behavior. What is truth? Is it what you say or what you do? Words are spoken. Behavior is the real agenda. I mean, don't ever forget, behavior never lies. We seem to be living in a world today that has lost its rational thinking. We have this minority that has taken over the voice of the media and are committed to destroying the foundations of what our country is built on that guarantee our freedom. From wanting to remove God and actively attacking the family, there is a voice out there that is committed to ripping apart the foundational principles of our country. They have been given a voice, and that voice is dangerous. In this episode, I want to continue our focus on family, on what is happening to children today. How important is childhood to the development of a child? For me, it's everything. What happens if you take childhood away from children? They lose the learnings. An emotional development childhood is meant to bring to a child's development. You know, there are so many different aspects to a child's healthy development. There are so many different people who are involved in raising a child. Right now, I want to focus on one group whom I feel are critical to a child's mental and emotional development. I'm talking about the role of grandparents and the development of a child's life. My guest today is Mark Joseph, affectionately known as Gramps Jeffrey. The author of the children's book, I don't want to turn three. Mark, thank you for joining me today on Let's Talk Human Behavior. Richard, I appreciate you inviting me. Thank you so much. Well, I have been looking forward to this because uh, the, the podcasts that I'm doing on hurrying a child to me are very, very, very important because I think that there is damage out there being done to children today. Uh, I know my, my viewers are not really familiar with you, so uh, tell us a little bit about you, about who is Mark Joseph? Who is this Granny Jeffrey? <laughs> well, my latest book is I Don't Want to Turn Three, and the reason I wrote this book is, you know, living this past year with the pandemic, you know, caused by this COVID-19 that we all just went through, in isolation, except for being able to be with my kids and my grandkids, you know, gave me a special time to watch and interact with these grandkids. And I got to tell you what a trip that was. You know, all six of my grandkids have different kinds of personalities. The one thing they do have in common is their sense of curiosity and how excited they get, you know, when they do accomplish something. Watching them grow year to year and how they interact with each other really is the basis for my book. You know, because, you know, what goes through a toddler's mind the parents are so desperate to understand. When does a toddler really understand the difference between, you know, me and us? This book explores how a family finds out that together. You know, as a baby boomer myself, 
trying to figure out how the world has changed since I was three years old, you know, is also part of the story. So that's, that's what my book is about. Uh, before that, I was in business. Uh, I was an entrepreneur, started a couple of businesses. I wrote a business book called uh, The Secrets of Retailing, How to Beat Walmart. So I've always been involved with understanding, you know, what it is, how to communicate through, through, through writing. And so being able to write this uh, children's book gave me a chance to communicate with parents and grandparents about kids that are now growing up. Uh, you used a word. Mark, that is so very important in vocabulary. And I think especially when you're talking about children and that's curiosity. And I mean, would you agree that curiosity is a very, very important part of a child's development? Oh, you know, it is probably the most important part. You know, it's, it's necessary for us, parents, grandparents, to teach children how to think, not what to think. They'll learn on their own on what to think. But this curiosity, we need to teach them how to think. Do you, do you think that we've gone sort of overboard today in uh, what the schools are wanting to teach children? I mean, kindergarten, the third grade, um, sexual identity? No, I think that uh, really this is the smartest generation that this country has ever produced. These kids that are now one to 10 years old. You know, when you think about it, they come out of the womb, all of a sudden they're right involved with, with electronics, the computer, the internet, uh, cell phones. So they are learning all kinds of things when they are one, two and three years old, you know, that I didn't learn until I was 40 when the internet was finally introduced. So this, this generation has a lot more pressure on them with all this information coming to them uh, that they, they, do, they do have all this information. And it's up to us as adults and teachers to blend all this great information they're getting with the information that is real life. And that is what schools are for, is to teach kids what real life's all about. Can they take it overboard, Mark? Can they take it to the extreme? Well, I think any of us can take uh, teaching to the extreme, you know, whether you're a parent or you're a grandparent or you're at the schools. Uh, but again, we need to give these kids information. And that's how we teach them how to think. And so the more information we can give them, it is better for them to understand about how they will mature and what, the, what direction they'll take in life. But is there some levels of information that need to be in the hands of the parents and not in the hands of the school? I think all information needs to be in the hands of the parents. You know, that, that's our role. That's our role to, to grow these kids is to teach them. You know, and how do we do that? How do we as parents and grandparents, you know, teach these kids the right thing? And that's really the big question. Now you have how many children? I've got four kids and six grandkids. Okay. When your kids were growing up, were you and your wife active in uh, their teachings about life? Oh, absolutely. But I, I think you have to go a little deeper than that. You know, I think we have to take a look at what's happened over the last few generations in this country. You know, I was raised in the 50s and the 60s, and my parents were very disciplined. Okay, when I say that is that was the greatest generation that's ever been around. That generation, my parents' generation, are the ones that went through the Depression. 
They went through World War II. They're the ones who helped save this country, save this, 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 this world. Uh, and so they were a very disciplined generation. And so and that's how we were raised. You know, when I was raised in the 50s and 60s, we were very disciplined. I mean, you know, if my brother Larry and I messed up during the day, my mother would say, wait till your dad gets home. Yeah, and when my dad came home, he came home, he whipped off his belt, and he chased us around the kitchen table, you know, and that was discipline at the time. Um, you know, and the fact uh, he had this fraternity paddle that he kept in his closet, obviously used that too when he had, when he had a chance, but, but we decided one night when they weren't there that we were going to go grab his fraternity paddle and hide it. So we lived up in Ohio, it was late fall, there was lots of uh, leaves on the ground, we took his fraternity paddle, we put it into the pile of leads. You know, the next night it snowed. That spring, the fraternity panel was gone. To me, that was a miracle. Yeah, you know, maybe, maybe we will not be as disciplined as crazy. But to me, that was the first miracle I ever experienced was the panel was gone. So that's how we were raised. You know, and then I think my generation said, we don't need to be chasing our kids around the kitchen table with a belt. We need to be talking to them. We need to teach them what is right and what is wrong. And so we had a little bit different way of how we discipline them. And then I see that my kids have taken that a step further and they do it better than any of us. You know, they're the ones that put these kids in the timeout when they do something bad. The kids, you know, don't like going in timeout because they get away from their friends. They're stuck in a corner looking at a wall. It's a great way to discipline. So what I think when you're talking about communication, you know, that's just a way that things have changed over the time. And I think they've changed for the better. You know, when I was growing up, um, I'm, a, I'm a little bit um, older in age uh, than you. But when I was growing up, I had three sisters and none of us were real brothers and sisters. We were all adopted uh, from different families. And in our home, uh, we never talked about anything. And I mean, we could have we could have dinner around the table and Mom and dad might talk about what their day was like, but as far as any kind of real communication uh, that was that was used in the home, there really wasn't much. And my dad was is a, probably as conservative as any person you would ever uh, meet. And so there were subjects we didn't talk about. So we were left pretty much on our own to to explore and to educate. And, you know, I've always been a very curious person. Uh, curiosity is a big word in my life. And I, I think that curiosity, as you said, is one of the most important aspects of childhood. And children are going to be curious about everything. And, but to me, curiosity has to be dealt with in the proper channel. And, I guess I just have a, a psychological problem with the schools taking on a part of the teaching that I think a parent should have, and that's about sexual identity. And I, I you know, maybe it's just me, Mark, but I think a child that's uh, kindergarten, first, second, third, maybe fourth, fifth grade, I'm not sure they're ready for that conversation. 
I think we should talk about something that, that you brought up earlier is, is you know, your parents didn't really communicate with you. They didn't get to you. They didn't teach you. you know? And that really is the role of parents today. And the best way, the best way that, that children can be taught, that children you know, can start to get that feeling for the different issues, whatever issue it is that you want to avoid or, or not avoid, uh, is we've got to be reading books to these kids when they're one, two, three, four, five years old. And it's got to be part of their routine. And it's got to happen every single night. I mean, think about it. And, and again, I'm picturing it as a grandparent. Uh, but parents have to do the same thing. You know, when, when you think about when you read a book to a child, you know, you got you get about 20 minutes where the child is sitting there on your lap. Uh, and it gives you a chance to start to begin bonding with these children. Right? Just be picking up a book, having a kid on your lap, you know, you're starting to bond for them, having to spend time together. You know, that's very important when they're little kids. You know, another reason why we have got to make sure as parents and grandparents that when these kids are one, two, three, four, five years old, that we're reading books to them is because it supports listening skills. Now, you and I both know as we grow older that listening skills are the best skills that we can have. You know, it helps us as we're communicating with people, as we're selling things to people, as we're learning from people. You know, listening skills is the best skill that a parent or a grandparent can teach their children. And if we sit there and read books to them every single night, part of the routine, you know, they're going to be able to pick up on this listening skills, you know, that requires them to listen to the book. Another reason why we all should be sitting around reading books to our children is because it helps with the cognitive and language development. Again, there's words in these books that the kids obviously don't understand. You know, there's words in these books I don't understand. So, you know, sometimes you have to look them up, but it gives you a chance as a parent to communicate. And it gives you, uh, you know, a place where it's non-confrontal, where you can sit and communicate with these kids as you're reading books, because you're teaching them how to, you know, the cognitive and language development. And another reason is, is it helps create attention span. You know, when kids are one, two, three, four years old, they're bouncing off the wall. But again, you have them sit in your lap for 20 minutes, you know, it helps with that attention span and the concentration and self-discipline. So if we can begin to do that early on in these kids' lives, then over time, you know, they're going to learn how to ask questions. They're going to learn to, uh, you know, we're going to be teaching them, these kids, how to think. They're going to be thinking, and then they're going to ask you the questions, and you will be the parent who answers these questions even probably before they even get to school. Yeah, you know, I'm a firm believer in what you're talking about with reading. I have a close friend uh, who is a child psychologist, and he and I have had many, many conversations about uh, reading. And one of the things he believes, and I am also a big believer in this, is you start reading to the child before they're born. And uh, I have a couple that I've worked with through my mentoring program, and one of the things that uh, they would do, and it would not just be her, but they both said at night, and they would read uh, to the child that had not been born yet. And the reading for them was also medicine because it calmed them down. And the calmer they were, uh, the calmer the, children, the child in the womb seemed to be. And then after the child was born, uh, from the day they brought him home at night, uh, they would read him, they'll read him a story. And 
I'm a big proponent of that because what you were talking about is about the what, what reading brings to the table is so important. And you used another word that's really, uh, to me, a giant word in life, and that's listening. And, you know, you take a book like uh, your book, you know, I Don't Want to Turn Three, and you sit there and you read that to a child. And children are captivated many times by the, the, the artwork in the book, by the pictures in the book. And it's amazing to me how sometimes you can read a book to a child and you read it to them two or three times and they can't read, but they can read it to you. <laughs> You're right. You know, we, we can never lose sight that we are these children's role models, you know, whether you're the parent or your grandparent. So if the child sees you on your cell phone all day long, I can tell you, they're going to end up being on their cell phone all day long. If the child sees you not engaged, they're not going to be engaged. So never lose sight. We are these role models. Kids reflect. They, they, you know, what we do, they reflect you. In other words, you know, I can guarantee you that if you say a cuss word to a child, you're going to hear that same cuss word three or four more times that day just because you're the role model. You know, a way to avoid that is as soon as you say a customer by mistake, start saying things they like, like bananas and blueberries and dinosaurs. You know, hopefully they'll forget that. But but we are the role model. So going back to, to thinking about why, you know, what the what is the importance of reading reading books to these kids and for them to see us reading, even in quiet time, if they see us reading, you know, they they will learn to read. But going back to the original question uh, that we began with is, you know, how do we get kids curious? What do you need? What do we do? Well, when you sit down and read them this book, and again, I recommend we all have 20 kids books laying around. Now, obviously, I want them, I want them to read my book, but there's 100 other great books out there for them to read. Yeah, that when you, you, you're ready to read this book to these children, let them pick the book out. So they have engagement in this right away. And then even before, even before you open the book, you ask these kids, you know, what do you think is going to happen in this book? Let them start to think. Again, that's what we wanted to do. Keep them thinking. You know, once you're once you're in the book and reading the book, you talk to the kids and ask them, who are the characters in this book? You know, where is the setting? You know, does anything in this book sound familiar to you? You know, is it fantasy? Is it something that happens in your neighborhood? Does it sound familiar to you? You know, and then when the book is over with, make sure you always ask them, what was your favorite part of the book? Much, much, much you should be doing at dinner time, like you did when you were a kid. Your parents should be asking you, what was your favorite part of your day? Well, we should be asking, what's the favorite part of this book? Because again, all these questions when they're early, one, two, three, four, five years old, will help them as they grow and get better and get into school. And so that they can start to really think about the world. Now, you're a grandfather, and you have, you said, how many grandchildren did you say you had? Six. I got six. six. And what are their ages? When I wrote the book, they were one through eight. Now they are two through nine. <laughs> <laughs> so do you and your wife get to spend uh, a lot of time with the grandkids? Are they close? Well, we, I've got two of them living here in Arizona. I've got two more living in Austin, Texas. I have two more living in Orlando, Florida. So, you know, life today is a lot different than it was when we were growing up. You know, when I was growing up in small town, Ohio, my uncle lived up the street, my grandmother lived a couple blocks away. And so we had a whole family unit. But in today's world, we're all scattered around the, the country. A lot of us are just like I am. 
So, you know, it's important for us to stay in touch with them. And so the question is, how do you do that? What do you do? Because again, you know, the two, three, four-year-old kids are not going to pick up the phone and, and decide they want to talk to grandpa. You know, it's something you've got to do to be to, to get involved with them. So in my particular case, what we did is, you know, during COVID, and COVID was a, a turning point in my relationship with my kids. Uh, you know, they were here for six weeks, so they had a chance to see our house. They had a chance to, you know, feel comfortable with us and so forth. And then when they went home, the ones in Texas and uh, in uh, Florida, we said, how are we going to keep in contact with them? What are we going to do to be part of their routine? Well, for some reason, all these kids, two, three, four, five-year-olds, love dinosaurs. I can't tell you why, but they can all tell me all the names of the dinosaurs, these big, long names. You know, they can tell me if a dinosaur eats meat, what they do. You know, as far as I'm concerned, dinosaurs are small, medium, and large. But these kids, that's their way of communicating. I saw them when they meet strangers. They even start talking about dinosaurs. So we decided in our house, we have half a dozen dinosaurs. And we were going to put these dinosaurs in different places every night. So one night, they were in the refrigerator eating blueberries. Another night, they were at the sink washing dishes with their uh, grandmother, and they had soap on their noses. Another night, they were playing the piano. Another night, they were walking up the steps. So we had 50 different nights where the dinosaurs were going all someplace different in the house or outside the house. So what had happened to us, to our kids that were not living near us, is all of a sudden, we became part of the routine. You know, the, the parents would give them their bath, the parents would read them a book, and then the kids would say, what are the dinosaurs doing tonight? And they would get on the uh, iPhone, my wife's iPhone, and uh, get on FaceTime. They say, where's Gramps? Where's Gramps? What are the dinosaurs doing tonight? So that gave us a chance to keep in communication with these kids when they're not living up the block or across the street. You know, and I'm sure your listeners can come up with all kinds of other different ways to keep in touch with these kids, but you've got to make that effort because again, when these kids are growing up, we as grandparents have got to make sure we're inserting ourselves in their lives so that we can influence their lives and they'll remember us when they're our age. So, Mark, why, from your viewpoint, why is the investment of time from grandparents important to invest that time in the lives of the grandkids? Why is it important? Well, first of all, we got to take a look at who we are as grandparents. You know, we have become wiser over the years. And the reason we become wiser is from generation to generation, we make more mistakes. And as we make those mistakes, we learn from them. So that's the knowledge that we have that you know, the parents may not have or these little kids don't have. And so we as grandparents have got to share that with them the real life experiences, you know, we, we are a resource for them that they just don't have, you know, normally. And that's why grandparents have got to insert ourselves in their lives. Now, keep in mind, you know, we're, we're going through COVID here right now. You know, we, people 65 years and older, you know, we're 16% of the population, but we were 75% of the deaths from COVID. And think about that. You know, we're here today, gone tomorrow. There's a good chance we may not be here tomorrow. So we, as grandparents, with all this knowledge and all this experience, we have got to make that effort to be involved in these kids' lives because it will pay off for them down the road. Well, and, and I, I like what you're saying because I think grandparents offer a calmness to grandkids that sometimes the parents don't have uh, because 
you know, we live in a world today, and I don't know if it's true with your children, but you've got uh, two income families. And so many times in the morning, the kid is, uh, the child is dropped off at the daycare or they're taken to early school. And, you know, the daycare in some respects uh, is a big part of raising the child. They come home in the evening, they got to do dinner, they got to get the kids bathed, if there's homework, they got to get that done. And everybody's tired. So, you know, evening comes, uh, we go to bed. And next morning we get up and we start the routine all over again. And I think grandparents are, are important because they bring that sense of calmness uh, to the grandkids. Would you agree with that? Well, the greatest thing about being a grandparent is you can have them for a weekend, but you give them back. So yeah. you, you don't have to deal with all the, the, the day in, day out issues, you know, the things that cause the stress. So, yes, that's the calmness. But it, it's a bigger picture, though. You know, when, when you think about a kid today, and again, today's world is a lot different than it was when I was growing up. It truly takes a village to raise these kids. It takes grandma and grandpa. It takes aunts and uncles. It takes cousins. It takes friends, now, especially in families that are single families, you know, that only have a mom, only have a dad. It's just, it's, it, it's a, we need to make that time as the village, as the, the grandparents, as the cousins to spend time with these kids, because that is what they need to have a full life. Well, when you and I were talking last week and we were uh, getting ready to, to do this time together, this, that's a statement that you made uh, that I wrote down in circled and then put asterisks by it and then underlined it, that uh, it takes a village today to raise a child. And, you know, you're, you're right. Uh, I don't know what it was like when you were growing up, but my mother did not work. So there was a parent at home. Um, but in our society today, that is so busy being busy, trying to figure out what they're busy being busy about. You know, sometimes the, the family just gets, you know, it becomes disconnected in its own way. And I'm a big proponent of the word pace. That uh, pace to me is the term of connection or disconnection. And I think sometimes today, the busyness of life uh, takes away some of the quality time um, that children need from their parents. And sometimes for me, grandparents can then fill that void. Um, well, keeping in mind that the, I, I truly believe this is the smartest generation because they have so much information and it's up to us adults to help them learn from that information and grow on it. You know, like the, the, theme, the basic theme of my book, I don't want to turn three is, you know, at what age do you take responsibility for your actions? Is it three years old? Is it 13 years old? Is it 23? Or I know plenty of people in my generation that are 63 years old that still don't take responsibility for their actions. You know, that's what we have to also implement to these children is how do you take responsibility for your actions? You know, what do you what do you do? 
you know the the, the theme of theme of my book is you know we've got the cousins who are fighting over toys and uh, you know finally one of the cousins says we should be giving all of our toys to the homeless downtown and they all agree and the mom and dad are the ones who helped facilitate that but the idea came from one of the eight-year-old uh, olivia who came up with that idea yeah that just happens in my particular family i'm sure it's happening in every family around the world that they they've got these issues that they've got to address and so that's one of the reasons grandparents need to be involved is to help with the mentoring of all these kids mark when you look at when you look at your children and you look at your grandkids and and you look at their lifestyle do you see anything that you feel as a grandparent that's missing in the life of your grandkids today? Well, the probably the one thing that's missing in most of the kids' life today is the ability to go out and just do things. So in other words, when I was growing up, you know, after school, we would go play baseball and basketball and we would run around. Now, I don't see that happening as much as it did when we were growing up. And I think that's a real void. I think that we have all got to encourage, and that's one thing the grandparents can do is get these kids outside, get them involved in nature, get them involved with things outside of the electronics and the, the, the cell phones and the, the television, you know, limit that to a couple hours a day and get them back involved with interacting. Because again, we have got to grow as a country. We have got to communicate better as a country. And if we can have these kids outside communicating with their friends during the uh, hours when the sun's still up, you know, that's one thing that we've really got to help this generation do. You know, one of the things that I see sometimes too is children can get over-involved. And, you know, when I was on the, uh, the church staff and running the counseling division, I, I used to uh, have this discussion with the staff all the time that we talk about in, uh, in the world of the church that we need, to, we need to make sure there's family time and we need people to understand family time. But yet, you know, we had something for family every night of the week. And I used to tell them, we need to cut back on some of this because we need to allow there to be time at home for the family to connect. And I think sometimes we seek to do too much with children. Uh, would you agree? That's a profound statement. I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, if you take a look at some of these kids, you know, one night they're playing soccer, the next night they're doing dance, the next night, you know, when is the time just to be you and me and us and talk about life? And so you're absolutely right. You know, sometimes I think we overload these kids. It could be compensation the parents had for when they were kids saying, I didn't do enough. I need to have my kids do more. Um, but I think you're absolutely right. They need, they need the me time. Well, and the other thing I think with this is that sometimes, and, and you used it in a phrase just now when you said it, but I think sometimes parents try to live out what they didn't have through the lives of their children. And they try to involve them in things that they wish they had been involved in. And, and you talked about this earlier about getting the children outside. And would you agree that the activities that a child is involved in should be a choice by the child and not by the parent? Exactly. It goes back to what we first talked about. 
that, you know, it's necessary for us to teach children how to think, not what to think. So it's necessary to teach children, expose them to all these activities and let them choose. Because the worst thing you can do is put a child in an activity they don't want to be in. I mean, think about the stress that causes on a family. Yeah, so, so you're absolutely right. That's a, that's, a, that's a good point. And the other thing I think about a lot of times is I used to do uh, uh, a lot of family counseling and spend a lot of time sometimes just with the, the children. And the amount of stress that's on young people today I mean, everywhere you look, it seems to be there's something putting pressure on them. Uh, if it's not school, um, it can't. It's home. Uh, if it's not home, sometimes it's act, so much activity going on. Um, the pressure of uh, <laughs> learning today. Um, I don't know if you've ever sat down with your uh, with your grandkids and helped them with homework or to do math. Um, you know, I have no grandkids, but I've had uh, parents that have talked to me about that even the math today, they can't do. <laughs> and uh, it's funny that you bring this up because, you know, I'm, I'm working on a series of books. The first one is I don't want to turn three. And the next one is I don't want to turn four. You know, and the more you think about it, there's people that don't want to turn 30. I don't want to turn 40. I don't want to turn 60. You know, there's all kinds of subjects for that. But my granddaughter, Olivia, last week, who just turned nine, came to me. and She says, Gramps, I got a great idea for our next book. And I said, what is it? She says, I don't want to turn 10. I said, why don't you want to turn 10? And she <laughs> says... She says, you know, I'm going to have to learn to drive pretty soon. I said, seven years away. Why are you worrying about it now? You know, and, and, and then she says, you know, I got to start thinking about what college I'm going to go to. I said, that's nine years away. Why are you worrying about it now? But it plays back to exactly what you're saying is that there's stress. All of a sudden, when she's turning nine, she's feeling the stress of these couple of things that she brought up to me. And they probably came from her parents, her friends. Uh, but yes, there's more stress in this world than ever before. Well, and, and we know that stress can have such a dynamic effect on the human body. Uh, my very first book that I wrote was entitled The Truth About Stress. And in there, we took a look at uh, what, how profound stress is physically and psychologically on people. And it seems like that, you know, children are not prepared Many adults aren't either, but children aren't really prepared to handle the stress that they feel. And so in our society today, rather than it seems like tending to back off and give kids room to breathe, we put tags on them. You know, and then what happens? We put them on medication. And, you know, none of this, I think, really deals with the real issue of allowing a child to be a child and allowing a child to learn how to adjust to life rather than pushing them into life and in some respects missing childhood so how do we get everybody in the world to listen to what you just said uh through your books okay <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> But I, I think we've got to wake up to what stress is doing to children today. You know, I'm, I, and I, I am a psychologist, but I don't agree with all these tags we put on kids that, you know, 
you, you're AHD or you're, you're all these different things. And you know, that plays with the child and it plays with their psyche. It plays with their confidence. It plays with who they, whom they see themselves as. And rather than pulling back, it seems like to me, and letting a child be a child, we're hurrying children into adulthood. Yeah, we always got to keep in mind that technology is there to help you achieve your goals. And if we start to rely on technology too much, then that puts a lot of pressure on people and on kids. So we always got to step back and say, use technology to learn things and to blend in. Um, and, and, but you're right. I think parents are telling the using technology to put more pressure on the kids, and we've got to we've got to stop that. Well, and sometimes technology becomes a babysitter. <laughs> right. Have you have you and your wife been out to dinner and watch a family at a table? Mom and dad are on their cell phones. The kids are on their their little games, and no one's talking. And they're there, and they're just a group of bodies that are there at a table. But as far as using that as connection time. Uh, not there. And I agree with you. Technology is a tool. It's not a controlled device. Absolutely right. So if, if you, as a, a granddad, you saw your, your kids teaching your grandkids something that you thought was not right or harmful, how would you handle that? Well, first of all, I wouldn't do it in front of the grandkids. You know, don't forget these. That's important. Say that one more time. That's first really of all, important. yeah, you, you don't want to disagree with your parents, the parents of the grandkids in front of the grandkids. That's very harmful. You know, you, you, the, you want to show that you are supporting your kids, you know, for, for whatever reason, you know, that, that they're right or wrong. You want to show your grandkids you support them. But then don't forget they're your kids. So you need to pull them aside, you know, when the kids, the grandkids aren't there and all of a sudden you become mom and dad to your kids again and let them know what you think. Now, there's a good chance that they won't listen to you, uh, but, you know, it's, it's important as grandparents to, to let your children know outside of when your kids or the grandkids are there, you know, what you would do or how you see it. Uh, sometimes it works, but many times it won't. Have you had to do that or have you done that? Oh, sure. Absolutely. You know, and how we discipline them. And, but, but, you know, sometimes, sometimes the kids are smarter than we are. Okay? You know, we were talking about discipline earlier and, you know, they put them into the, uh, into the corners. Well, I happened to be at my granddaughter Grace's third birthday party last month. And uh, she was playing with her brother who was four and a half years old. And they were starting to fight over these uh, trucks that she got for her birthday. And she stood up and she says to her brother, I need my space. And actually goes to one side of the couch. And he looks at her and he says, I need my space too. And he goes to the other side of the couch. Well, they could, that worked out well. Now, they didn't learn that on the internet. And they didn't learn that through electronically. I am sure their mother at one time got frustrated with them and looked at both of them and said, I need my space. And she actually walked away. Uh, but it taught them how to get along and how to resolve some things. So, you know, that's something that I didn't teach her to do. 
That's something that she came up with. So, you know, I, we've got to respect our kids because much like I think the grandkids are the smartest generation, I, I know my kids are smarter than I am. They're more successful than I ever was. So, you know, you got to give them their, their due. So this goes back to it takes a village? Yes, it goes back to the more influences a child have on them, the more they can learn, they can more they can see the different aspects of life, and then they can make their choice of what direction they want to go. But, you know, and a part of this to, for me also is to, to, to have a life for your children that has a balance to it that you know there there's time to play uh, there's there's time to sit down as a family and communicate there's time to read together uh, but it seems like that the family today going back to this is just so busy being busy trying to figure out what they're busy doing that they're more in some respects they're more disconnected than they are connected so how do we get them more connected? Well, is a big part of that, the, the investment of our time and how we invest our time. And maybe to take a look at how much are we doing and is everything we're doing really necessary? That's a great point. You know, and the, the, the plus for grandparents is they may have more time than their kids have. And so, you know, we have got to, the, the baby boomers, we're a pretty selfish uh, generation. You know, we, you know we, we did our thing. We said we raised our kids and let them raise their kids. But, you know, it's time for us to give back. It's time for us to, to maybe spend that extra time that our kids don't have because they're running around from two-parent jobs and get involved and try to be that role model for these little kids. Uh, because as you, I'm sure you have memories of your grand, uh, you know, you know what, what happened in your families when you were growing up, and these kids are going to have memories of what happened in theirs. And so we've got to be that positive memory that they have. Yeah, my dad's dad was a remarkable man. And any time that he was uh, uh, around myself or my sisters, he always made time that he had always made sure he had time to sit and talk to us. And, you know, I used to love to listen to his stories uh, because he had, he could, he had such an imagination, he could build a story out of anything. <laughs> and I, I think, again, one of the things we're missing, and that's why I like what your book is about, is that children listen to stories. And it's, it's being a, a child with them and not a professor with them when you're reading a story to them. So I have one final question for you. If you were, if you were in front of a group of grandparents, what, did, what tips or what advice would you give to them as to how they can have a positive presence in the life of their grandkids? What would you tell them? Well, the first thing is you need to pick up the phone, okay? Little kids aren't going to call you. You know, they're, they're, they're the two, three, four-year-olds aren't going to say, oh, let me call grandma. It's not going to happen. You have got to be the aggressor. You have got to be the one that makes contact. You have got to be the one to initiate it. Because over time, 
if you do enough initiation with these little kids, they're going to initiate back to you. So you've got to create that bond. Uh, and that bond's hard to create, but you've got to, it's got to come from you. You know, it's got to come from the grandparent in the room. Reach out, you know, reach out to these little kids. Make sure that they know you're, you're part of their life. Uh, and that's, if you start there, then the rest will come. So if, if, if someone wanted to get a copy of your book, how would they do it? Well, you can go, it's, uh, it's on amazon.com and Barnes and Noble and about a hundred other sites uh, on, on the internet, or just come to my site, scramsjeffrey.com. Uh, and if any one of your listeners want to continue this conversation, please email me at gramsjeffrey at gmail.com. I would love to continue talking about you know, how we can get more involved in our kids' lives. Well, I, I think that this role of grandparent is so important and that in so many ways uh, we have, we've not talked enough about it. And, you know, I like your idea. And I, I really, because like I told you, I wrote it down, I circled it, I did everything with it. And that it takes a village to raise, raise a child. But, uh, and I I'm not, don't know if you would agree with this or not, but within that village, each person needs to know their role. And in that village, there needs to be a common agenda about this is the role of these people, these people, these people so that we're not stepping over each other, but we're walking side by side in the development of the child. Well said, very well said. And we will put um, the name of your book and we're gonna put your, your email address and everything in here so that people can, can reach out to you. Um, so I wanna uh, thank you very much for you know, taking this time with us and being a part of uh, Let's Talk Human Behavior. Now, this is just part of the series that we're gonna be doing on you know, hurrying the child. Uh, in our next part of the series on hurrying up children, my guest will be Kurt Jordan and Elka Robshaw, founders of the Kong Academy in Seattle, Washington. And you don't wanna miss their views of what's happening with children in the school system today and hear their thoughts on making kids, not destroying kids. So this is Richard Flint reminding you that behavior never lies. And so thank you for taking the time to join us on Let's Talk Human Behavior. And Mark, thank you so very, 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 very much uh, for being a part of this. Thanks for inviting me.